don't want to say conceited, <laughs> but we're kind of conceited in a in a sense. Like we think our country's the best, and there's there's nothing you can do about it because you know we live here and mm-hmm. this is America, and and we've almost got like a chip on our shoulders in a sense. And I mean, it's kind of just the the conservative. <laughs> pioneer settle in the west gotta be tough gotta be gritty you work hard for what you have nobody hands you anything like we're not looking for a handout not everybody gets a trophy at the end of the day we want people to stay out of our business welcome back to the interview podcast on the wine building podcast network from millbank south dakota this is craig weinberg Whymillblank.com is our website. Whymillblank at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments, you want to help support the show, or just say hi. Send us a note there. We always like to hear from you. Tell your friends about the show because today is a good one. All the way from snowy, uh, the western edge of snowy South Dakota, Corey Keith is with us. Corey Keith of CoreyProAnnouncer.com is a pro rodeo announcer. He's a musician. He's a singer. He's a speaker. He travels around the country talking to people, sharing his faith. And he loves rodeo. Let's jump right into the interview with him. Thanks a lot for sticking with us. Enjoy the show. Corey Keith, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I have this weird affinity for rodeo voices. In the 80s, out in Oregon, I grew up uh, with the sound of rodeo being young Bob Tallman. Oh, my. That was like the, like, that's the voice of of rodeo to me. And so it's. it, It is. Probably two years ago, I think it was. Uh, and that's actually how I found you because I started looking for everything I could on Bob, um, just to just to find it. Because for nostalgia purposes, just going back, I wanted to know what you know what we could do and and what's out there. Because at the time there was really no, well, there wasn't YouTube or really no archive that was available. And so I found right. some of the oh, I think it was 1988, um, 88, 85. There was some uh, Wrangler. What's the Wrangler Finals Rodeo? I think. Um, yeah, Wrangler NFR. Yeah, old stuff from way back, and Bob was the announcer. I was like, oh, okay. It took me right back to that 10-year-old kid sitting in the grandstands at the county fair. I'm watching him right around the, the arena. You can't, I mean, it's, it's hard to get better. And so then I find you, a young upstart who's uh, <laughs> jumping into the biz pretty good. How in the world did you get started uh, wanting to be rodeo announcer? So that's a, that's obviously a frequently asked question and I don't think I've mastered it yet, but here's the, (laughs) here's the hundred upteenth shot at it. So I was about five years old when I was watching the PBR professional bull riders on television and saw a guy on there by the name of Justin McKee. And I told my mom and dad, I said, Hey, I want to be that guy. I want to be, I want to (laughs) be that guy. And little did I know when I went to, I actually had my sweatshirt on, believe it or not, nice. NEO rodeo <laughs> team, went to Northeast Oklahoma A&M to uh, actually play baseball mm-hmm. and ended up not playing baseball, but joining the rodeo team. 
and about three weeks after my freshman year started of college, I met Justin. He was a pastor of a cowboy church, and we became friends. He made a couple of phone calls for me, and um, that's pretty much how it got started. Really? And Yeah, and I, I was kind of like you, the 10-year-old kid when I was little, 5, 10 years old, going to the county fair, listening to the announcer. It was mm-hmm. always intriguing to me. I mean, he was the he was the quarterback of the show, you know, he ran, you know, he ran all the plays. Um, obviously I find out now that somebody is play calling most of the time, but, um, but the announcer still runs the plays during the rodeo and I love it. I, I love the America, you know, how we bring America Mm -hmm. in it, our openings. I love how we talk about God and we pray and just our lifestyle, everything about it's all wrapped up in one. And as a little kid, all that, all that combined inspired me to do what I'm doing now. Now you're and certainly not it, old now. No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> old. You know, uh, I'm 27. I'll be 28 in June. So I'm getting up there. You know, starting <laughs> to pick away. <laughs> so do you? Uh, are, are you on the horse in the arena? With the microphone you know, a lot, or are you up in up up in the stands? Well, it 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 just kind of depends on the rodeo. It depends on the atmosphere. There's some rodeos where there's just no possible way a person could announce at horseback. Why? Um, well, the things move really fast. Um, maybe the committee the committee always has something going on, mm-hmm. and then they they're always bringing you stuff. They're always bringing you information, and sometimes arenas are not user-friendly when you're horseback. Um, I, I was actually in Blue Earth, Minnesota. That was the first, my first ever PRCA rodeo. Mm-hmm. And it's a Barnes rodeo, which if you've ever been to a Barnes PRCA rodeo, 99% of the time, the announcer is horseback. And that's just their style of rodeo. But at Blue Earth, Marty Barnes made the comment. He said, I don't think we should do horseback here because the arena is so small. There's not enough places to get out of the way. Mm, right. Because, I mean, when you're out there, everything is happening really fast. Um, like, I've been in I've been in a couple of binds where I thought, why am I out here? Maybe I should just sit in the announcer stand, <laughs> you know. Because yeah. those, during the bareback ride, and those bareback horses are so fast, they come flying by you, and they'll run you over. And pickup men will run you over um, if you're not out of their way, and it's it can be it can be difficult. So the the setup and the rodeo depends on you know if if we're going to be horseback. But, mm-hmm. You know, there's something about being horseback though that just brings a lot to the atmosphere. Um, it makes it more personable. Like you can ride up to the grandstands, and when you're doing your opening and you're talking about things, you can you can literally look people right in the eye. And you can get, you can get a vibe from that. You know, you can yeah. almost look into their heart and see them, um, which is pretty cool in a sense. Well, and that's one of the things that I loved as a kid, being able to be right there and and to have that personality. Because at the time, I mean, Bob at the time wasn't. Uh, well, I guess he was a big deal. I didn't know it. He just was good, <laughs> and he would always hang out along that fence for a while. And he, you, you got to be a comic at some level to do that job well. Um, but it was so fun because it's just real. And I love that, that the, the personal touch that you get from that. And yeah, I mean, you lose that being up in the, in the, the booth, I assume, right? You do. And, 
And sometimes announcer stands like in inside coliseums, um, you'll find like the National Western in Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boyd Boyd is a Boyd Paul Hamus, a professional rodeo announcer. He's done the NFR with Bob like twenty sometimes. Yeah, um, he does a lot of his rodeos horseback, but at Denver, he is in the announcer stand, and it's the location of that announcer stand is open. You know, he can turn around. He can turn around and give somebody a high five, you know, in that announcer <laughs> yeah. stand. That's how close it is. But yeah, the personal aspect of just it, it, like like I said, it depends on the venue, depends on the event, yeah. and a lot of it depends on your horse that you're going to be on too. Because, gosh, if you're not on a good horse, it could be it can be a train wreck. Now, is that is that a horse that you have to provide, or do they do that for you? You know, a lot of guys take their own horses. Um, I personally do not own a horse right now, so I'm pretty fortunate. There's a lot of great <laughs> men out there yeah. that provide one. A lot of stock contractors provide one. Um, I've just, I've had a hard time keeping horses um, sound. It seems like every time we get one, it always cripples itself or mm. tries to kill itself or, you know, or, or eats too much. Maybe that's it. Right. But no, it's it's a lot easier to to have a pickup man say, Hey, you know, you can ride my horse tonight mm-hmm. and you know, you can pay him something or buy his dinner or whatever, uh, make it worth his while. And stock contractors, they're always pretty good about having a horse available and nine times out of 10, they're all, they're all good. Most of the time. Yeah. Um, have you always, uh, been a musician as well? Uh, yeah. So my, I love playing the guitar. I actually learned, how to play when I was in high school. And I, I guess I need to rewind. I was a little, I was third or fourth grade and I was taking lessons. And I actually told my mom one day, I was like, you know, I don't need to take these lessons anymore. Like I would, <laughs> I would go there. Yeah. Wise thing for a 10 year old right. to say, or however old I was, <laughs> I, uh, I would go to these lessons and they would show us what to do. And I would go home and I wouldn't practice. Hmm. And then I'd go back to the lesson and I would just be able to play it. And you know, the lady was always like, oh my gosh, Corey, you know, you, you must practice so much and do all this stuff. And my mom's sitting over here scratching her head like, no, he never picks up his guitar ever. So needless to say, I put it down for a long time. And when I was a, well, as a sophomore in high school, I felt like I was supposed to pick it up again. And I started going to church earlier and getting with our guitar player and he'd show me how to play a chord uh, one week and the next week he'd show me another one. And eventually I had four chords in my arsenal. What more do you G- need G- there? G, C and D. You <laughs> nice. can play almost every, every country yeah. song and every Christian song oh, yeah. on the planet with those chords. So nice. Um, yeah, it's, that's always been something that's been pretty cool. I've been pretty passionate about singing and playing the guitar. And it's, you, it's been- uh, you said you're currently in just the very edge of Missouri. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so I'm from I'm from Southwest Missouri. Okay, uh, a little place called Conway. It's about 50 miles outside of Springfield, Missouri. Um, right now, currently, I am at the Ryan Ranch in Wyoming, which is mm. about 30 miles from Belfouche, South Dakota. So that's kind of confusing. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the, the West, the mountains, it all kind of goes together out there. Right. Yeah. I'm in the Black Hills. That there nice. you go. There it is. I'm only I'm only an hour and twenty three minute drive from Mount Rushmore. So, okay, being that close, have you been there? I have been there. Okay. It's been a long time, but I have actually been there. 
it's a pretty cool place. Yeah, it is pretty amazing to see. Um, the uh, so so you're living there. You cattle ranch is that correct? Yeah. So actually, at home, my dad and I we have a herd of cows, and then my fiance's family they have some cows out here on their ranch. Mm. So so you say fiance? When, when is that changing? July thirty first. Nice. July thirty first. Congratulations! That'll be awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm pretty excited. You gonna end up living there, or you guys have somewhere else you're gonna go? Well, that's kind of funny. We're kind of getting pulled lots of different directions right now. Um, we know we're gonna start out here. She's got, she's got a job and uh, pretty good job in Rapid. So we're uh, kind of just awesome. figuring out where we're gonna be, where we're gonna end up. But I, I would say eventually we won't be here. But I, to tell you that location, I, I have no idea. <laughs> that's all right. We won't hold you to it. <laughs> that's new, newlyweds can move around that's fine uh, all right let's um let's dig a little bit into what's going on in the world today um you your livelihood in yep. the, the announcing world uh relies on um packed stands at some level events that require <laughs> people to come into them what did 2020 right. do um to the rodeo world to your career to uh to just the mental state of kind of where you were at what happened you know, so obviously everyone's going to have a pretty similar story with, with 2020. Um, it was pretty crazy, you know, because the week before all of it went down, when they shut things down, we had just, we just had the American at AT&T Stadium. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had literally just announced the Cowboy Channel Junior NFR, and things were looking really good for the year. And I was actually fixing to go to Rodeo Houston to hang out when they – when they made the call to cancel it. And I just thought to myself, like, did they really just cancel rodeo (laughs) Houston? And then, you know, all the other, I I think rodeo Houston was the first actual event to cancel. So then the NBA followed Mm. the MLB followed Mm -hmm. the hockey, you know, the hockey leagues, but like rodeo Houston kind of set the stage for that. And all then all these rodeos started getting canceled. I'm sitting here looking at my schedule going, oh, my, like, how are we going to make a living? Because um, technically under a contract, even if you have a contract under a clause, under a national emergency pandemic, you know, that contract means nothing. Right. Which, in a sense, these rodeo committees, I mean, you, a lot of guys don't expect the rodeos commit, committees to pay us anyway if we're not going to be there because – like we know they're being affected too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one thing that held my composure together, you know, obviously clinging to my savior. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Lord provided the whole time through all that. Um, it was amazing to see what he did during 2020. But the one, the other thing that held us together is we were, we were all in the same boat. It's not like, it's not like I could sit around and have self pity. Like this is happening to me. This <laughs> right. is happening to me. No, this is happening to, to everybody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, we got to have fans and, and you know, it's funny, like South Dakota, South Dakota never did shut down. Um, I announced three rodeos in South Dakota in 2020 and no restrictions, no masks, no nothing. And life was, life was normal. I mean, it's crazy. And then you go, you go to another place and it's like a ghost town, you know, um, there, I mean, there was a couple other rodeos that they wanted you to wear masks while you were in meetings and all this stuff. And we're like, what? Like we, 
Cause I, <laughs> I, I don't know where you stand on all that, but I, I never wore a mask and people are probably going to be sending you hate mail now. Like, Oh, he's a super spreader. Yeah. This way is, to go. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. But, um, I just, I just don't believe in that. You know, I, I believe if it's my, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. And I just, um, kind of had to stand firm in my faith a couple of times and, you know, here we are, I've made it over a year, haven't wore a mask and we're getting, we're getting back into the things, you know, getting things are starting to roll again. And South Dakota, once again, still hasn't shut down. They just had the, uh, Black Hills, um, or I get, yeah, the Black Hills stock show on road. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, rapid. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it was awesome. And then all these other rodeos are following suit, you know, rodeo Reno that, uh, the Reno rodeo there, they just released a deal that said that they're going to be full capacity. Thanks to the governor in Nevada, which is huge. Wow. Um, the red bluff roundup going on this week in California, California of all places, it's happening, <laughs> you know, full capacity, whatever. Um, and then, and then all, all the other rodeos in Texas are happening now too. So yeah, people are people are starting to show up. It's definitely turning around. So that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. uh, any? Do you ever do anything with the Calgary Stampede up there in the Canada? Uh, no, I never have. Um, I know Bob. The, we were talking about mm -hmm. Bob Tallman mm -hmm. earlier. You know, he's been a part of Calgary for however many years. Um, I don't think Calgary is going to happen. This well, year. I, their I their government it. up there is really doing some crazy things. They're giving their police force uh, extra rights or uh, leeway and authority to stop you and ask you why you're out and about. Uh, you have to prove why you need to be away from your home now. Uh, it, it's wow. it's crazy, and that's I mean that's just to the north of us a little bit. And wow. You know, it's wild. I, you know, being in South Dakota, we're, we're 12 miles away roughly from Minnesota. And so I get to see both kind of both ideologies is almost how it, how it feels. Mm -hmm. You know, they, that, that state has their own belief system. Yeah. South Dakota tends to have a different, you know, a different unique belief system. Um, and yep. yet it almost seems like nothing's changed here. I know there, there's some has. But then you drive 10 minutes away and it's like you're going to another part of the world. And that is so bizarre that that we can have that because, it, I mean, if I understand and I'm by no means a scientist, but if I understand anything to do with an airborne anything, that border means nothing. And no. so it, it either will affect people the same or it doesn't. It, it's just a, a bizarre world we're in. We were down in Texas a couple of weeks ago with my family. And it was right around the time that they had um, pulled back the, the mandate, the government yeah. mandate for masking and all this stuff. And it was kind of wild because I was like, okay, I can feel like I do here in South Dakota. Right. Not really. It still was really odd. It felt like you were still in another part of the world um, huh. with, with some of the things. And most of it had to do with the businesses that were very much, um, and one story we went into, they, I bet they had 40 or 50 signs around every entrance door. And they had cops inside the store by the door to apparently make sure you're compliant. And it just oh was God. weird. And as a business owner, I get, you know, a private business, maybe they want to make some rules. Uh, I think if they're going to be making rules like that, they need to be able to make any kind of rule they want. 
And if right. they're, you know, if they're going to mandate a medical procedure to get in the door, then where does it end? I mean, yeah, do I need I to know. have it's... do I need to have certain kinds of uh uh surgeries to get into a store? And I don't know. It's just an odd world. <laughs> it's a pretty odd world and and I know I I I'm a I'm a believer obviously. I've already mentioned that, but you know, we talk about the end times mm-hmm. and all these things that are going on right now. And, you know, I, I don't think, I mean, I, I do think the end times are near in a sense, um, but we don't know the time of day. But then again, part of me feels like we're not quite done yet because everything that we you just named off has everything to do with the world power. Yeah. And what world power does is brings a few people in charge of the entire world. And they pretty much tell you what to say, when you can say it, how to say it. And they get you to, I mean, more or less it's world communism. (laughs) I mean, I'll just go ahead and say that. And that's exactly what they want. And honestly, I don't know if we're supposed to get political on here or not, but wherever it goes, it goes. the, The only thing standing in the way of that is our firearms. Hmm. is our second amendment right as Americans. And what a unique thing that our founding fathers knew over 240 years ago that we needed guns to protect ourselves from higher powers and that our government was supposed to be ran by the people for the people. And it states in our constitution that if the government becomes too big, it is the right or and too powerful and oversteps its boundaries, it's the right of the people to take it back. And, you know, I hope and pray that that never happens. Um, And I don't think that it will. I think that America has woken up, especially after this last election. I think they've realized, like, okay, like, we made a mistake. And we're going to get back on track of things because freedom is a very valuable thing. And you you look at history and all these places that had freedom at one point, they lost it. America is the longest country running country in world history that's held on to freedom this long. But on the flip side, all those other places that I, that we could talk about, they all had a place to go when they lost their freedom. But now every continent, every country is occupied by somebody Yeah, like this is it. You know, the world's full. Like there's no more, there's no more expansion. There's no more westward expansion. Like let's get in the wagon or hop on the Mayflower. Yeah, it's called Mars. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I'm not going. (laughs) I will have to wear a mask there. Oxygen mask. Right. So I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. But yeah, I mean, I I could go on this kick. But I mean, America, America is the only only thing standing in the way of this world power that that a certain few people want. And that world power is a scary thing because if that passes, me and you won't be having this conversation Mm -hmm. on a podcast when it does. Yeah. And Uh, are are we, are we close? Um, well, okay. How much longer do you think that America can hold on to that? Let's call it freedom. Now we can probably debate whether we're actually free or not. Um, but, right. Cause I mean, yeah, we, we think we are. How, I mean, how close is that to being gone? Well, that's a very good question because you know, you're always one generation away from losing it. Um, I believe was that Ronald Reagan that quoted that. Mm, uh, sounds right. 
Yeah, it sounds about right. You're always one generation away from losing your freedom. Well, I, I will tell you, our founding fathers, when they sat down to create our Constitution and our Bill of Rights, they were arguing and bickering, and they quoted, uh, or there was a pastor in the room, a preacher, mm-hmm. and he said, hey, we haven't even prayed yet. And they all kind of stopped. I mean, in my mind, I picture them all stopping and looking around like, oh, yeah, like we haven't prayed, like, <laughs> duh. So he pulls out his Bible, and he quotes, Psalm, I think it's Psalms 35 or 135, basically talking about how, hey, Lord, like cast us from our enemies. Like do not let our enemies, you know, overrule overrule what we're trying to do here. Like we trust you. We put our guidance in you. And because of that prayer, it was said that that prayer was heard from blocks away. Like mm. people, people heard them praying down the streets in Philadelphia. And I believe that God always answers prayers. And I believe that is one prayer that he's continuing to answer. Now, the end times and all this stuff that I was just talking about, we don't know the time of day. But I can tell you this, that he will come when we least expect it. And with every, like right now, with all this uncertainty in the world, I don't think that's when he's going to come because that's when everybody is clinging to him. Hmm. You know, I still think there's going to be a time of peace. So I, I think, I think freedom is going to reign for a while. Like, I don't, I don't think we've seen the best America yet is what I'm, is what I'm getting at. I, I don't think they're, I don't think their world power that they want to do. I don't think it's going to be realistic. Like, like it's only like 7% of the world that believes in that. And I just don't think, I just don't think we're, we're that close. Like, yeah, it seems like we're that close because Facebook and Instagram and all these social media platforms and Fox news and CNN, they're all, it's all propaganda. Everything's propaganda. And I just don't think the world is listening to them anymore. You know, I just don't think they are. So I, I believe, I believe the best America is yet to come and that we're going to, we're going to live in the land of the free. Our kids are going to live in the land of the free and who knows the whole world may live in the land of the free. And there may be a huge revival coming with that too, where the Lord's going to, the Lord's going to move and people are going to get saved and come to know him. And, and it's going to be the best time of peace we've ever seen. Then he might come and take us all. Mm. I know that's a lot of information and <laughs> little time. And that's, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a philosopher or theologist or whatever they call them. I'm just, I'm just telling you what my, what's on my heart. But, uh, but that's kind of what I believe. The best is yet how, to come. How do we, you know, because I, I I follow your socials a little bit. Um, yeah, and you you you've been pretty vocal recently about um, regards to the NRA and gun control. And mm-hmm. what is the answer from you know just I, I don't know is it the ten thousand foot view? Let's say um, to what is being called by a certain side of politics as. Mm-hmm. Uh, a gun violence epidemic. Uh, what, what's the real answer there? You know, that's hard to say because for years, um, you, you look at history, history always repeats itself. And you look back on some of this stuff and you, you see violence. You see people 
killing each other. You see people hurting each other. You see countries wanting power. Um, you see all these things happening. And I, I have a hard time believing that we have a, we have a gun problem because, I mean, you, you look at history. China, I, I just read an article the other day. I can't remember what the article was, but, but China, they just, their, their government, they just push, like a, they're just killing people just because because they don't want them anymore. Like they're just, if they believe a certain way, they're just rounding them up and killing them and for no reason. And, you know, you have like, you could read back to Germany where they, they gathered up the Jews. And I mean, there's just been, there's been violence since day one. And do I think that we can stop guns from killing people at random? I don't think there's any way you can do that. Because regardless of what people don't understand is if, if nobody in the world owned a gun, mm -hmm. if there was no gun, no, if guns weren't even a thing, nobody even knew what they were, they would still find a way to hurt somebody because that is, it's a sin. It's our sinful nature to do that. So, and, so is the real problem a sin problem? Well, I think it's a, not necessarily a sin problem, but it's a, maybe people don't understand the truth problem. Um, what which I know that's, well, I know that's a difficult thing to understand. So like, so like when it might, what I believe, like the truth on the word, the Bible, you know, the Lord talks about all throughout the history that these countries have been fighting one another. People have been killing one another. And it's just something, it's just pure evil. It says, you know, people will be filled with evil spirits and evil thoughts, and there will be wars of, you'll hear rumors of wars of wars. And, uh, I mean, gosh, it's just, it's so complex. Like I can't even, I can't even begin to tell you, but like for me, like in my heart, like I'm saved. I know Jesus as my personal savior and I, and I want everybody to know that too, but I don't like you, we could get into this race thing. Like I just, I don't see, I don't see race like people do. Like, I just don't see that. Like, I, I love, I love all people. I think all people are created equal. Like our constitution says that, you know, under God's image. And I just want to love people and I want to tell them about Jesus. But, you know, I also think I can, I can do that while owning a firearm because the world is a dying, decaying place. And because of that, there's always going to be someone trying to conquer. There's always going to be someone trying to take over. There's always going to be, there's always going to be a Pharaoh. There's always going to be a Hitler. There's always going to be a, a Putin, or you could sit here and name off all sorts of world leaders. But like those guns, those guns and common citizens like me, that that protects our freedom. Um, and I think, I don't think there's an answer for gun violence. I really don't think there's an answer for that because I don't know if you've ever, I'm not very well equipped for all this today, but uh, <laughs> George, there's a video on YouTube and it's of George W. Bush and it was off the record. Like nobody knew that he was videotaping and it was talking about some of the school shootings that have happened in America. And in that video, he says, if, if the American people ever knew you know, what we, we've done, they would hang us. That was his exact words. And it's a, it's on a, it's on a video on YouTube, but basically who's to say, 
who's to say this is a conspiracy theory? I don't like, I'm not quoting this. <laughs> who's to say, who's to say our federal government hasn't set these shootings up to get people to think a certain way to think guns are bad so they can take them away? Well, that's certainly an interesting thought. Um, it is somewhat telling, I guess, that right. these weren't, I mean, we kind of had a, a, a multi-year, I don't want to say pause, but a, a lull, at least in reporting, of these mass shootings. Um, yes. Just the other day, I was talking to some friends, uh, and we were going through the list. According to, to uh, some of the news outlets, there's been like 154 or 157 you know, quote unquote, mass shootings in America in the last since January. Um, I they they classify a mass shooting as anything more for or more um, victims. And so, what I wonder is what happened that makes this now ramp up so much when it didn't appear to be ramped up six months ago. What's, like, I mean, what's different? Like like, what's the difference? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously... <laughs> I, the, I have my thoughts, but, I mean, yeah. what, what changed? <laughs> well, I, I do think the news media is a big problem in our world today. You know, they, they fill us with... Uh, they fill us with what people want to hear. Like, we'll be honest. Like, you know, they, they use the latest and greatest, and they, they reword things. And Because it's funny, you can see something on... Fox News, Newsmax, CNN, you could see the same report, mm -hmm. but get a different idea from all three of those. And that's the problem. D does you that know? come back to us having a truth problem in our society nowadays? Well, yes and yes, um, <laughs> because people, <laughs> people can, uh, th there's a way to get people to believe a certain way. Um, and, you know, words are words are a great way. You know, just changing a couple of words in a sentence can make you believe something way different, you know. And you kind of have to have some values and mm -hmm. some upbringing. And I think a lot, like if we're, if we're going to talk about guns, I think the biggest problem with guns is people, people don't teach their kids about guns. We don't teach our kids about guns in school. Um, my dad said when he was in school, they had, you could take your hunter certification in high school in school <laughs> in school yeah and you know what a what a great tool because guns are not bad they are not bad i mean when used properly i mean they're a great there's there's something great like it's there's so much about it like i can remember my dad handed me my first gun and he's and he said son this is yours and you got to take care of it you're going to you're going to learn how to clean it you're going to be able to learn how to clean it blindfolded like you're going to be able to take it apart and clean every piece of it blindfolded and put it back together. And, you know, he always told me how special it was about our freedom to own it. Mm -hmm. And, and he always told me, you know, that you never, we hope we never have to use them, but my golly, we can own them. And, and just because we own them, it's a huge deterrent for other things to happen in our world today. But my dad, my dad taught me to respect a firearm Mm -hmm. And that it wasn't, it wasn't a toy, you know, but it was a tool that you used and, you know, that tool could be for hunting, for recreation and gosh, Lord willing, I hope I never have to use it to defend myself, yeah. but that's what, that's what it's ultimately for. But 
and we just you hope and pray you never have to do that. I grew I, I grew up on Louis Lamore, and yeah, one of his sentiments was that uh, a holstered weapon on the hip of someone who knew how to use it was more deadly than a gun that was out. And it was because the threat was there. The possibility was there. But, the, you know, you hadn't thrown everything on the table yet. And I think yeah. that's fascinating. Understanding it, understanding what it's for, how to use it, and knowing yep. the, the real consequence of using it is, yes. is key. Absolutely. Yep. And, and do I think that there should be more punishment for people who, and, and you know what the sad part is, a lot of these mass shootings, we never get to talk to the shooter. Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed that? Like they always commit suicide or they always shoot themselves or do something. And it makes you wonder if we could actually talk to them and ask them why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. That right. would that would be an answer to a lot of our questions. And And I'm not saying it'd be a solution, but it would be very interesting to see, you know, like, why did you do this? Like what, what went through your mind that you wanted to just go in somewhere and shoot a bunch of people? Because like, that's like, I just can't imagine. Like, and and I can't imagine having a family member die and something like that. Like you you remember the Vegas shooting. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually had a couple of friends that were at that concert. Really? Yes. And they, they were extremely affected by the outcome of that. And and it's so sad to see them because, you know, a part of them, they didn't like guns for a while. They did not like guns. Because of that event? Because of that event. Because, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, you know, they felt helpless. They mm-hmm. didn't feel like they could do anything. Like, they just felt like sitting ducks. Yeah. And, and like, that's the sad part. But on the flip side, what if everybody there would have had a firearm? <laughs> like, I'm not saying that's the solution, but... You know, you just said, you know, a holstered gun is uh, more deadly than a gun, you know, re- you know, setting out on a table or whatever. And if everybody had a gun, like, do you think that shooter would have still done that? Like, I don't know. That's it's a it's something that will that will never put our minds on. Mm-hmm. But, but I want to you probably know this story. So in 1941, after Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, they their ultimate plan was to invade the United States. Like, that's what they wanted to do. And they could have they could have very well easily got to California. You know, obviously our, you know, Pacific fleet was destroyed at Honolulu. Mm-hmm. And uh, they could have easily went to California and just started coming right across. But they didn't. And the main reason they didn't is because they did a study and statistics showed them that 90-some percent of Americans owned a firearm. They'd be walking into not, a problem. <laughs> and not just one firearm, yeah. multiple firearms. And they said, if we do that, we will awake, you know, we will awake the world's largest army. And the quote after that was something about, we may have already woken a sleeping giant anyway, <laughs> which they did. Yeah. Um, but that's why they didn't invade America. Because people like you and I own a firearm, even though we're not, and I don't know if you own firearms or not, you haven't told me, but, but, uh, I do, (laughs) but you do, but see, like me and you, we own firearms. And because of that, places like China, Mm -hmm. Russia, Japan, they're not coming over here. They're not coming over here to do that, nothing, because there's people like me and you who own firearms who don't want to use them. But my golly, if we're forced to, 
freedom freedom wasn't just given to us you know yeah what do you think freedom about paid for yeah by by blood um yeah. <clears throat> what are your thoughts on uh the talk of you know you you mentioned you know if we could talk to some of these shooters and figure out what they were right. thinking you know what was that well the 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 anti-gun crowd wants laws on the books that will allow people to get their property removed from them if they are perceived to be a threat red flag laws um red flag laws yeah what are your thoughts on that concept and if we if if that's a road worth going down you know what's crazy you always see these stories that after these shootings happen the fbi comes out and says well you know he was on our watch list or whatever uh-huh well it makes you wonder okay well why why did they not go there and que- at least quite and maybe they did you know maybe they go question them i don't know but then again where does that line stop because if they get on my social media they might think that i'm a threat mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and which in my case i'm not like i'm just a i'm just a freedom like i just love freedom <laughs> and so i mean there's a very fine line there but it makes you wonder you know how do these people get these guns and see that's another thing like they can't they can't actually stop these people from getting guns right now like they just can't well but, but um, that's their problem i mean or, or not the problem right. that's that's their goal is to make that be way more difficult for everyone i from what i hear from them at least so right. so then they can stop these so it's pre-crime, really. This is right, um, right. what's the word? Like Minority Report. That movie. You know, you you <laughs> they you're thinking about it's a thought crime. You're thinking about this, and so we're gonna go arrest you because you were going to do something. And man, I don't think that seems against the whole concept of freedom and liberty, isn't it? I I think so. I mean, I think there's a fine line there. I, I also, I mean, obviously, if you're a felon right now, you actually by law you can't even own a firearm. Okay, so, hold on, but before you go farther, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, if if we we the 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 gun side, uh, mm-hmm. the, the the pro Second Amendment, let's say that that perspective, um, you know the the idea is Congress can't shall make no law. Um, mm-hmm. Should there be like what's a reasonable restriction? I guess honestly, I don't I don't really have one. I don't really have one because I mean, that second amendment is, it's so broad, you Mm -hmm. know? And if you, if you start, if you start manipulating the law and start adding things to the law, then eventually there is no, there is no second amendment. Mm -hmm. So it's such a, it's such a fine line right there. Well, and then the other idea or the other, the other piece of the second amendment, well, you know, the words are well regulated militia what does that mean i mean does that then open the door for a lot more regulation and rules perhaps you know i'm not really sure and understand the context Mm -hmm. of that statement um i do know a well-regulated militia um i would think that would mean like like say for instance me and you we're in the militia like we're 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 not in that we're not enlisted in the army or the marines or our military, but we are a part of the militia because we are rightful citizens that own firearms. You know, we are law abiding mm-hmm. citizens. 
that own firearms. And, you know, maybe, maybe the, I, the government has to be on your side, obviously, but I, that's such a fine line. Like basically well-regulated militias. I really don't know. I don't, I don't really have an answer for that. That's kind of a unique thing. Cause yeah. I know the militia, if you read anything, the history on militia, that's the reason we won the Revolutionary War. Okay, what? Because we didn't fight battles in the straight line, waiting to get shot. Exactly. <laughs> like we didn't. You know, our ancestors didn't take their firearms up to King George and say, "Here, have my musket." You know, they were hidden. I mean, they didn't know that they had them, and they fought in the the trenches and the brush and in the swamps and like that's. That's what the militia is. If the Patriot and, movie with, by Mel Gibson was close to accurate, that seems like a stupid way to, to battle. All right, let's all line up. Go, you're up. And <laughs> yeah, then is, is, up. That, is that why we play sports now? All right, we're going to line up against <laughs> each other. That's football. That's, that's early football. Just fewer people <laughs> die nowadays. I don't it's crazy <laughs> how the tactics of war have changed over yeah. the last well, really over the last century or hundred years. Um, but Swamp Fox, he is the, that's who Mel Gibson is supposed to be in that movie. Mm. Swamp Fox and Swamp Fox. We still use his military tactics today. Like the Navy SEALs use his military tactics today, which is which Francis is Marion. Helpful. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Also known as Swamp Fox. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, in the British, you know, they had no idea. They, they didn't know how to fight it because the rules of war was to line up in front of your opponent. And basically it was an intimidation <laughs> factor. Right. Cause we have more, uh, more youth to expend. It's fine. We can just yeah, have more people that can die. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Look at all of our red coats, you know, they're, yeah. and that isn't to think about it. If you marched over this hill right over here. Oh man. And you're wearing a blue coat and <laughs> yeah. you step over there. There's a, there's like three or 400 of you and mm-hmm. you step over and there's 10,000 red coats. I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty intimidating. <laughs> that, you know? that would be terrifying. But like in today's modern warfare, there could be 10,000 of you and five people could be your worst nightmare, mm-hmm. you know, because of the tactics that yeah. he introduced in the revolutionary war. Well, the, the military, uh, position of a sniper has fascinated me since I was a kid. Um, and you know, n- not because, you know, they're killing people, but their role. And a good friend of mine used to be a ranger sniper in his prior life. Um, and it's fascinating because the, the job, it's, it's a personal position you have to take. You are checking these people out, you're getting close to them, and then you're removing them. And, you know, yeah. I, I've asked what What's the mental state that you have to live under to oh, do that? I can't, can't imagine. And it, it, they're like, there are, there's constant psych evaluations for those guys. Because, and one of the things, uh, the moment that they start enjoying the, what they're doing, get out of there. Because yeah. that's not something, you know, you don't want to be in a joy ride out there with <laughs> that. I mean, because they're good, they're deadly, and it's not good. But that whole concept, and in Vietnam, I read some, a couple books about snipers there, and they were... Like, if they ever found a sniper, if the Vietnamese ever did, every gun turned on that position because they were so dangerous to the Vietnamese. And yep. Oh, wow. 
you know, to, first off, yep, I'll sign up for that gig knowing that if they ever <laughs> see me, I'm o- it's over. It's crazy, <laughs> crazy. So, yeah, and, and that, I think that comes out of the idea that we're not going to just line up. You know, we're going to try to win this thing uh, at, yeah. at all costs almost. Yeah, and I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, you know, his tactics, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's not as many of us, so let's spread out. Yeah. Let's be invisible mm-hmm. and let's be, let's just be a nuisance. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's more or less what they were. You know? <laughs> yeah. Do you see video games as playing a, a detrimental role? Uh, oh, in maybe some of this today. I, I really do. Um, I remember when I was little, I used to have a couple of those games and I remember my dad, my dad took them away from me and I didn't really understand why at the time. And looking back, you know, as a, I was probably, oh, I was probably 10, 11, 12. Like that was a vulnerable stage for mm-hmm. a young man. And I'm looking back, I'm really thankful that my dad took those games away because, you know, we, we talked about the, what guns are mm-hmm. and how to, how to handle guns and the significance of them. And those video games, like they're just setting people up to, to go do something like that. And like the game Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. That has to be the worst game I've ever seen in my life. Like you can literally, we were just talking about this the other day with, um, with a couple people at church because the kids were playing some game before church. And I had, I had mentioned like, you think that's a good idea? And we were like, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's probably not a good idea. And so we switched the games. We got Madden in there now. So, you know, that's better. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but basically, it's like, you know, all we're doing is teaching those kids that it's okay. Mm. Like, that's all we're doing. And it's not okay. Like, do we need to know how to defend ourselves? Absolutely. But like you just said on those psyche valves for those snipers, when you start enjoying it, yeah. that's, that's when it becomes a problem. And who's to say that kids don't find a thrill in those games mm-hmm. and want to go try it themselves, you know? Yeah. What about it's social just, media? Very fun. Facebook, the, the, the idea that, that right now you can, you can talk to the world and also hear back from the world instantly from anywhere. You know, social media is very unique. Um, when used the right way, I think it's very powerful and influential. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll be honest. Sometimes I post things and I post them like on my stories and I think, okay, Maybe I should have not posted that, mm-hmm. or maybe maybe I should have reworded that. Um, now, like my actual news feed, like where I'm posting a picture, mm-hmm. like I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like those my posts are positive. Um, I'm not I'm not negative towards anybody. Um, I'm 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 always uplifting. I'm always encouraging, and I and you can probably tell that I stand for what I believe in, and, and I'm not afraid to take a stand to keep believing in that. Mm-hmm. But I, but I think social media has ruined our society in a sense because there's some kids in our, um, like kids at school and stuff that are struggling right now because they don't feel good enough because they can get on the their social media platforms and they see all these other kids that are their age and they see everything that they could be that they're not, you know. Right. And I think that has a I think that plays a huge role in our mind. Like we get to believing something that were really not inside of us. And I heard a sermon one time. It was the, it was called the Instagram version. <laughs> and basically this pastor was saying, he, he showed a picture 
of him and his wife, they went to Starbucks before church and got a coffee. And it had their picture, you know, holding their coffee, like, yeah, just go, just went to Starbucks, heading to, heading to church. But he's like, this was taken this morning, but nobody saw about how me and my wife had a fight mm-hmm. 45 minutes before this. Yeah. You know, it was the Instagram version of your life. So when you're posting on there, you're posting the, the best version of you mm-hmm. to be some, to be somebody you're not in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's big. Like I love the people who are so real, you know, when they when they name off their struggles, like, hey, I struggle with this too. Yeah. But, but you, you know, even if you're struggling, just know that you're not alone in whatever aspect that is, those are my favorite platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this this false narrative of your life is perfect on social media, I think it's I think it's really been yeah. bad for society. Well, and it's tough for kids. And I heard someone say the other day that um, one of the, the biggest problems with it in, the, in the, the school age is, you know, normally, well, normally, before you could just hold a computer in your hand and get anything you needed yeah. to. Uh, you were at school with your peers doing your thing. Then you left and you went home and you disconnected from your peers. You, you had to time away. You weren't mm, worried. Yeah. You didn't hear from them. Well, now there is no disconnect ever. You're there. You wake up middle of the night sometimes. Half of these kids have their phones in their bed with them. So they wake up. They're ch- texting, talking, watch, reading timelines. Like you said, they're checking out this perfect world. Uh, and then they go see these same people. And then they come back home. They're still connected. There's no disconnect ever. And I th- yeah. it's got to do something to their mental state. It has to. Yeah, I mean it it really does cuz I mean, you know, people need separation. Yeah. Uh even like I I'm not married yet, but I I know like there will be a time where, you know, it'll be nice to just have some have some me time, you know? And maybe that's why men like to hunt so much <laughs> and fish. You know, maybe that's their me time. And maybe that's why maybe that's why women like to go shop so much. I don't know. Um, but everybody needs their me time and you're, you're right. These kids that they don't get that, that they just, they don't get their me time. Mm-hmm. They're, they're worried about what their friends are doing, you know, cause they're, they're trying to outdo each other and live in this perfect non-existent world. And I, I did see a post, let's see here, a couple of days ago, this, it was, I don't know who it was, but it was a, it was a picture of a phone sitting on a counter and it was this little girl or it, it was this girl that said her dad always took her phone away when she was a teenager at night at eight o'clock every night, he got her phone mm-hmm. and she didn't understand that for the longest time. He would give it back to her of the morning. Yeah. So basically she had it from like eight to eight and he would give it back to her at eight o'clock in the morning. And he'd say, when you're at home with us, you don't need that phone at night. Mm. You, know, you need to di- like, like you just said, you need to disconnect from yeah. the world and I'm doing that to protect you. Because there's people out there that want to hurt you, that want to harm you. And a lot of it has to do with this thing. And I couldn't agree more. And I I don't know. I don't know if you have kids. I didn't hear that I part do. or not. <laughs> we have How, four. I, you have four. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a age, lot. Age 14 to two. Oh, so my we, gosh. Yeah. 
At least they're spread out. But yes. So so we see (laughs) when you do that right, you have built in help. (laughs) That's right. Oh, that's great. Don't tell them that. (laughs) But I, uh, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to handle that yet when, when, you know, Jess and I have kids and, um, they have a phone. Well, our our oldest, he's fourteen. He'll be fifteen in August, and uh, the next one he'll be twelve in June. Um, they both have phones currently, but we do have the same thing. They live on the the kitchen counter at night. Yeah, and you know that's just that's, that's the way it is. And they don't get it before. And I mean, with Apple, we can control screen time, so it shuts off after a certain yeah. time. We put limits on stuff, and it is for that protection. That's our job as parents to yeah. to guide them to to keep them from running right off the cliff. At some point, they're going to have to make their own decisions, but it's yep. our job early on to help them figure out why they need to make the right one. And, you know, at some point, we're telling them, here's the right choice because just you're not going to die. Don't put your hand on the saw blade. That's kind of clear. Right. And then as you get older, then you start giving more and more. And I'm, I'm just in the process of starting to give more and more with our oldest. And, right. you know, he's, he's very responsible, 14-year-old. Um, yeah, he actually is very disciplined. He uh, works at the our local golf course in the mornings. We homeschool the kids, so he does his school. So he's normally up at six thirty. Um, yeah, doing school before he has to be at work at eight. And yeah. I just think if he continues down that road of of that discipline, I have no worries. Yeah, I think I think that's great because I mean you know it is. I'm going to say your job because I don't have kids, but it is your (laughs) job, parents' jobs to lay that foundation. Mm -hmm. And you just hope and you pray that they lay the foundation for their kids as well. Yeah. And it's all, and it's all about how we're, we're brought up and a lot of kids don't have that opportunity. And that's, that's the sad part of the world we live in. Mm -hmm. It's not every kid has the same upbringing. Um, not, not every kid has the same upbringing, as everyone, but we all have the same opportunities at some point. If well, that makes sense. isn't that the goal? Like, isn't that the whole point of America is you yeah. get life, liberty, and you, we all get the equal pursuit of happiness. Yes. We're not necessarily guaranteed that, but we're, we're guaranteed the pursuit. We can go, yeah. we don't get it all the time, but we can go do it. Isn't that the point? Yeah, that is the point. I had, I had somebody ask me, it, it was another I can't, I can't stand the race issue. I just have such an issue with people calling each other racist and, oh, it just, it bothers me. It hurts me. But I had this, (laughs) I had this individual, um, ask me one time that they said, you know, you have no idea what it's like to be black. And I said, you're right. Like I, I don't, Mm -hmm. but I know what it's like to be an American. And, and I said, I, and the thing is these people get trapped like I get it. Like if you're if you're a black male in inner city Minneapolis, like yeah, your opportunities are going to be a little bit different than mine. Mm-hmm. Like I get that. But on the flip side, I believe it would be really hard. But you think about it, our ancestors did it. They 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 had an opportunity to hop on a Mayflower or a ship a long time ago and come over and start a new life. So if you're living in downtown Minneapolis and you don't like it, then figure out a way to get out of there. You know, figure out a way, figure out a way, come find me <laughs> and I'll, I'll put you mm-hmm. to work. 
yeah. I'll give you a job. Yeah. And uh I'll I'll make sure you can you have the same opportunities I had. Wait, didn't I guess you that's get... what I want for everybody? Yeah. You know? Didn't you guys get snow this morning? We did. Gross. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's starting to melt. It's not on the roads anymore. <laughs> oh, good. Got like six or seven inches, maybe. Oh man, it was it was just fluttering in in the air this morning a bit. Nothing on the ground. So when I saw your oh, post on Instagram this morning, I thought, oh man, I'm glad I don't live there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know they they really needed it. They were they were starting to wonder if they were going to have any hay mm. to cut. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm glad to see that they got a little moisture, and they're supposed to get more maybe tomorrow or next couple of days or something. So okay. That's good. That's good. <clears throat> Thinking of Minneapolis a little bit. Um, do we have a policing problem in America? You know, it's funny you ask that. I uh, I have a family full of law enforcement. Um, a matter of fact, there's about seven seven family members that are all in police, and I don't think we have a policing problem. That not not the policing that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, every city police is different. Every county police is different. But you know, they uh, the problem is. When you're doing something wrong, people don't know right from wrong. That's what it comes down to. And if you're doing something wrong and somebody asks you, hey, like, stop, then and you keep doing it, there's going to be, there's going to be an issue, you know? Um, and that's, that's the thing. The media, like, we'll never know. The media's job is not to tell tell people how to police because they don't they don't have a clue Mm -hmm. until they until they put on that uniform they have no idea what goes through those police officers minds and you know are you talking i guess we could talk about the lady i haven't really kept up on it i just i heard about it and that was about all about the lady who shot that that kid oh yeah that thought she grabbed her taser but she grabbed her gun Mm -hmm. And, and you know I, I'm sorry, I can't I can't cast judgment on that police officer because I'm not in her shoes. You yeah. know? Like she was the only one that could make that decision. And I hate it. Yeah. I hate it that she made the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I was just talking to uh, a friend this morning about that <laughs> the reality of that. And, you know, justified or not, well, sorry, um, not justified, uh premeditated or not. Right. That instance, in my mind, um, the consequence is going to be there, period. That's a that's a mistake you cannot make. Right. And now I'm not I, I, like you. I'm not going to say, yeah, it was on purpose or no, it wasn't. That's not. But to me, yeah. that doesn't matter. The reality is the, the the call she made in the heat of the moment was the wrong one. Yeah. And and the consequence has to be there now, whether that is you know, a, a small consequence or a really great one, that's not up to me, but you have to be willing if you're going to put on that badge that if you make the wrong call, there is consequences and there, there has to be. Otherwise we don't have any kind of order. Exactly. And you know, they know that mm-hmm. every police officer knows that. Yeah. And I promise you when a police officer, deputy, sheriff, tr- state trooper, when they leave their house of a morning, that is the last thing that they want to have to do. Oh, geez, I can't pull, imagine. Pull their firearm yeah. out of their holster or even their taser. 
Like that's the last thing they want to do. Mm-hmm. They just want people to comply because 90% of the time, if you comply, nothing's going to happen. And, and in our, the way our system works today, even if you're going to be in trouble, you'll probably be out in a couple of hours. <laughs> you know? So like, that's what makes no sense to me. Yeah. These people, like they want to run and they, they try to, they try not to comply, but our system has proven that they just, they'll probably get let out <laughs> at least 48 hours. <laughs> right. Does that, uh, maybe cause the, the idea that just comply, whether you should or not, or whether you're guilty or not, um, is that the proper thought that we need to be having toward law enforcement? Because it, it's something that I, as a dad, you know, I, I am figuring out what I teach my children, you know, what they're supposed right. to do. And obviously, I mean, the way we're raised is, you know, they're there to protect. They're there to make sure everyone is kind of, do, you know, not going to hurt each other or hurt themselves. So, yep. you know, if they ask you to do something, do it. At what yeah. point does that become abused and abusive? Because there are times when, uh, you know, you, you put the badge on. And, you know, these are always the, the bad apples, they say. That, that, that is a, an authority, that's a, uh, a God complex at some level. So I now am the boss, yeah. you obey, period, or I'll shoot you. And, of course, they don't say that out loud, but that's kind of right. the air that comes about. Out of a thought, it, yep. it, Is there a time when Americans shouldn't comply, let's say, in quotes? You know, so I, I think... If a police officer, so if a police officer pulls me over Mm -hmm. and he says, hey, you were speeding, even though I may not have been, Mm -hmm. there was one time I was not, I got pulled over. I was not speeding because I've gotten a speeding ticket before. And I was like, (laughs) oh yeah, I was, I was speeding my bad. Mm -hmm. And, and that cop gave me a warning, but this cop, (laughs) this cop, he, uh, he said I was going like, I don't know. It was like 49 and a 25. And I was following, I was following vehicles through town. There Mm -hmm. was cars behind me. Like none of it made sense. And I was like 17 years old, maybe 18. I don't remember. And, uh, pulls me over, asks for my license and registration, tells me what I did wrong. And, and I just told him, I said, sir, there's, there's really no way like I was speeding. And I said, but you know, you're, if you think I was speeding, that's fine. And, and he told me, he said, well, if you don't think you were speeding, you'll have your day in court. Cause you know, obviously you get a ticket, mm-hmm. you pay it or go to court. Right. Well, I took it to court because I wasn't speeding. And needless to say, I got out of that ticket because I, I pleaded my case and I had to pay a court fee. I mean, it ended up costing me a little money. <laughs> but it didn't go on my driving record, yeah. you know? And, but the thing is like, I complied. I didn't sit there and argue with him and say, no, I wasn't speeding. Like, no, I'm right. not, I'm yeah. not giving you my license. Mm-hmm. And like, I just complied with what yeah. he was doing because I knew, I knew I was not in the wrong. Mm-hmm. And even, even if he did throw the book at me, like, like I was, it was going to be okay. Cause like, I just knew, I knew what I had done, Yeah, you know? And maybe not everybody thinks that way, <laughs> uh, but sometimes you have to trust your instincts Yeah, that, uh, when you know you're right, you're right. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes somebody's going to tell you that you're, that you're wrong, but you just got to go with it 
until the final say because the judge gets the final say. Right. The police officer doesn't get the final say. The judge does. Hey, that'll preach. It will preach. <laughs> Getting back to the beginning here. No, you're good. Why does rodeo tend, the lifestyle, why does it tend to be conservative? Oh, I think, I think because we, because of our values, um, we don't take things for granted. It, it, so it, just for a second, does that imply at some level that uh, the not conservative doesn't have proper values or are they just different? I, I would say it's a different type of values. Okay. Um, you know, a conservative value is is believing in your country and i believe i believe conservative people tend to be more uh patriotic and i don't know why that is um we we're almost i don't want to say conceited <laughs> but we're kind of conceited in a in a sense like we think our country's the best and there's there's nothing you can do about it because you know we live here and mm -hmm. this is america and and we've almost got like a chip on our shoulders in a sense. And I mean, it's kind of just the the conservative, you know, pioneer, yep. settle in the West, got to be tough, got to be gritty. You work hard for what you have. Nobody hands you anything. Like we're not looking for a handout. Not everybody gets a trophy. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, we want people to stay out of our business. So obviously that's conservative in a sense. Um, small government is better because small government stays out of our way, lets us do our deal, like just leave us alone. And I think, I think that's the rodeo mentality of conservatism. Like basically just leave us alone. All we want to do is rodeo. <laughs> All we want to do is carry our guns and go and to ride rodeo our horses, right? <laughs> and go shoot coyotes and hogs every chance we get. Yeah. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the craziest thing you've seen in an arena? Oh, the craziest thing. Um, I well, two things. I wasn't. I didn't actually see him physically. It was just on video. Mm -hmm. um, there was a clown that tackled a civilian. The this person ran into the arena like like a streaker almost. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a streaker. And uh, this clown, this clown weighed. I'll just tell you, he weighed 260. He can do a backflip. He's the most athletic man I've ever seen. He could play defensive end somewhere. <laughs> um, he just saw this guy running through the deal, and he kind of looked up on the buck and shoot, saw a guy on a committee, and he's like, is that guy supposed to be out here? And the guy on the committee's like, no. So he just runs out there and just whacks this guy. <laughs> and he, <laughs> the guy was obviously intoxicated. He had been drinking and didn't even feel a thing. But man, it was hilarious, especially watching the video. It was it was funny. Oh, and there was one other time. It, I don't know why it has to do with clowns. There must be somebody must have something out for clowns. But there was well, a guy. They do tend to put themselves the right in harm's way. They, yeah, they they really do. There was a there was a clown in the middle of an act, and this guy come out there and was mad, just mouthing him. Just straight up mouthing it. So this clown, it was like Noel. Have you ever seen Nolan Ryan grab yeah. Ventura? And yeah. he's just like popping him. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what that ended up being. <laughs> so Liesl Harris. Oh Liesl God. Harris. And that video is on YouTube somewhere. That's nice. pretty 
pretty good watch and have to look that up. So where are you, uh, when are you going to be announcing next? What's next on your schedule? So I've got a youth rodeo association finals here in a couple of weeks in Oklahoma city, Chickasha, Oklahoma, to be exact. Uh, some friends of mine, they help put, put that on, produce that for their kids and going down there to, to announce it. And then I'll go to Mesquite, Texas, the first weekend of June. So that's kind of the, kind of the schedule. I don't, don't have any rodeos in May right now, which is kind of weird. I, uh, first time in seven years i don't have a rodeo in in the month of may but uh covid you know mm-hmm. still, still feeling the effects of covid yeah in a sense and we but might, uh, it's we gonna be a pretty busy a year yeah it'd be pretty busy uh I, on your website cory pro announcer.com uh, yep. cory cory with a k that is um <laughs> you have sponsors what's that yep. So these sponsors, they're awesome. Wrangler, they, they send me all sorts of clothes and shirts and jeans and jackets, vests, and I pretty much every day have some kind of Wrangler apparel on, which is great. Um, American Hat Company, of all days, I don't even have my American <laughs> on. I got one. You can see it right back there in the back, though, on that side. Oh, yeah, up on top. It's wrapped in oh, plastic. boxes, too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> American Hat Company, they send me all my all my hats, felt hats, straw hats. I usually call the best hat store and those guys they will set you up. Um they're they're the best in the world in my opinion. Hundred X uh helmets they send my shaps that I wear while I'm announcing horseback. Mm-hmm. Which this year I've got seven rodeos I'll be announcing horseback. So those things will get worn quite a bit. And I think WW Livestock still on there. WW Livestock's on there. They, America's number one ranch and rodeo equipment. They uh, they do a lot for me. Montana Silversmith. Yeah, Montana Silversmith actually sent. I haven't made it public yet because um we have to wait. But uh, I can say it on here. They sent <laughs> us our cake topper for our wedding. Ooh, which is really sweet. That's cool. So uh, folks at Montana Silversmith, they are pretty. They're pretty awesome. Nice. But, uh, yeah, great, great people on that page for sure. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah, where's where where's the best place on the social medias for people to follow what you're doing? Uh, it just depends. You know, I have Facebook, um, just Corey Keith on Facebook. It's uh, like you said, it's with a K, K O R Y K E T H, and then Instagram. That seems to be where most of my followers are, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. But post a lot of encouraging things on there. Post a lot of scriptures and just try to just try to encourage people through life, you know, because life life's hard. Life's not easy. But yeah, Facebook and Instagram that's your that's your best bets. Um, you have recently begun, uh, like speaking, like preaching, kind of speaking, correct? Around yeah, so yeah, so we um. I've, I've always been in the ministry. We've done a lot of music ministry in the past mm-hmm. with playing the guitar and singing. And, um, we've kind of been doing some more speaking engagements and I've got a couple lined out. I got, there's probably three or four places I'll be speaking in the next couple of months. Uh, most of them are at rodeos. Like they'll have a cowboy church service at a rodeo somewhere, which is really cool. And, uh, there's actually a couple of churches we're involved with. Um, I haven't, didn't go there last year cause of COVID, but a thousand Hills ranch church in Woodward, Oklahoma, we go there a lot. 
speak usually speak there at least once a year. Um, got a church in Enid, Oklahoma that just called the other day, a little cowboy church there. We're going to go visit sometime and, uh, cowboy church at Springfield, Missouri. We go visit them and got, uh, got friends in Granbury, Texas, got a church down there. And I mean, they're just, there's churches all over the place. And, uh, we've just been going and sharing a testimony and what God's been doing. And he's been pretty, pretty incredible. So I was actually not very far from your house last year. We had a probably go to jail for this if they knew this but <laughs> it was in minnesota we, they had a church service at one of my friend's houses and i come up there and spoke it was the weekend before easter last year which nice. was really cool so uh and it was it was my first illegal church service because there wasn't supposed to be any gatherings in minnesota isn't that terrible in america you could have something yeah. like that and that would ever be a thing crazy i put it on my resume though <laughs> <laughs> hashtag <laughs> Freedom Defender. <laughs> that's it. Excellent. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Corey, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, if you're ever up in these parts, I I'm, would love to meet you for real in person and have you in the studio. Yeah. It'd be a blast. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll be. Let's see your Esteline. How far do you live from Esteline, South Dakota? Oh, brother, probably an hour and a half, maybe. Yeah, or, I think maybe. I'm, Middle of June, we'll be okay. up there in line at the rodeo. So, awesome. if you want to come by and well, see cool. us, well, cool. That'd be super. Yeah, yeah. Be a good, let me know if you're coming. We'll get you in. <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah, that's <laughs> fantastic. Right. That's uh, right. Do I get to sit up with you in the booth? Well, you might. Hey, who knows? Hey, uh, I'll, I'll bring some high microphones for you. Hey, I need. <laughs> I need a couple of those. <laughs> Excellent. Well, cool, Corey. Uh, thank you again for taking the time to sit down and do this chat and responding to my probably strange inquiry on Instagram, but thank you. It's been fun. Oh, I, that's, uh, it's been great. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's do it again. One of these days. Yeah. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Thanks keep so much. It. Yeah. Thank you very much. And you bet. have a great day. Enjoy the snow. Oh, fixing to go sledding. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the interview from the Y Milbank podcast network in Millbank, South Dakota. This has been Craig Weinberg with Corey Keith. Thanks again, Corey, for hanging out with us, taking the time. We'll do it again. Come back. CoreyProAnnouncer.com is the website. Go check it out uh, or find him at a rodeo near you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Stay safe and stay healthy. Check up on your friends and loved ones and have a great day.